It is the Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. How the world learns to live with COVID. This is a piece at uh, The Economist, economist.com. The world has experienced pandemics before in the cholera outbreak of the 1830s. Nearly 3% of Parisians, I believe those are people who live in Parisia. <laughs> no, they're from Paris. 3% of them died from the disease. We do not have a case fatality rate or an infection fatality rate anywhere near 3%, okay? In the end, all pandemics burn out. Eventually, sufficient numbers of people develop immunity to, vi- uh, to the virus so they can no longer find new hosts at the rate they need to sustain their growth. And yet, only one human disease has ever been completely eradicated. You know what it is? Smallpox. That was it. Others, such as influenza, measles, cholera, all of, the, all of these others slowly became endemic part of the landscape of uh, diseases around the world, right? It's just endemic. It's just everywhere. It's all around. So it's in check, but it's not eliminated by the vaccines, but it's, not, it's held in check by medical treatments. And in that respect, COVID is no different. What is new about this pandemic is the speed at which science in the form of both vaccines and treatments is accelerating the disease's journey to endemicity or endemic status. Endemicity. How fast this thing is going from pandemic to endemic. The question now is how quickly it's going to become endemic and what the world looks like when it does. Most governments accept that eradicating COVID is impossible, right? The last large country on the face of the planet that is still pursuing a zero COVID strategy is China because commies are going to commie. It's what they do, right? Communists, they're all about the authoritarian lockdown mentality, right? So if tyranny is going to win in this thing, China is going to show us that it can do it. They're the only ones, though. Eradication became impossible pretty soon after the disease appeared. Maria Van Kerkhove, I think is how she pronounces that. She's an epidemiologist at the World Health Organization. She says too many countries failed to fight the virus as strongly as possible early on and so too late. I'm not here to argue whether or not that's the case. This is People have been wanting to have that debate. You are free to do so. I don't care. At this point, I don't care. Whether or not we responded quickly enough and who should we hold accountable for that is a fight that I don't care to have because it does nothing. It does nothing to advance the uh, fight right now. Because unless you're going to tell me that, oh, well, you know, we had this breakthrough, but then this person, you know, put it in a vault someplace and so we couldn't use it. Like, unless you're going to tell me that and there's, oh, well, let's go to the vault and take that thing out. And let's, hey, look at that, cure for COVID, right? Unless that's the the way somebody sh- uh, uh, short-circuited the response, then I don't care. Then it tells me you're just interested in the politics and the score settling. Okay, so the extreme transmissibility of the Delta variant has rendered... This goal of zero COVID, 
even more obviously futile. Um, what was it? New Zealand, I think, uh, a week or so ago, they announced that they were abandoning their COVID zero strategy. Australia has abandoned it as well. It's impossible. Okay. So endlessly repeated lockdowns and severe quarantines would be the only alternative. That's it. Those, the, these are the options. We are at a fork in the road. Okay. And one path is COVID zero strategy that everybody has gotten off of. And that's why, by the way, like that's why Roy Cooper hasn't gone back to a, a lockdown strategy. Now, the problem is Roy Cooper won't come out and say the lockdown strategy and a COVID zero um, strategy. You know, we cannot pursue it because it's impossible as a goal and lockdowns and quarantines like we were doing. That's not possible. It's not effective. But rather than come out and acknowledge that we have to shift course, they just ignore that and they just shift course and just talk about all the stuff that we're doing now. I think it's important to come out and say, we did this thing, it didn't work, so we're shifting gears. I think that is important. It's what we didn't get with the mask mandates or the the science behind the masks, right? We got the... Don't wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Okay, wear a mask. Wear a mask. You are killing people if you don't wear masks. And the people who are like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Didn't you just tell us not to wear the masks? They were treated as if they were crazy. It was gaslighting is what that was. So endemicity. Endemicity. It means that a virus circulates at a steady rate. Infections sometimes rise, sometimes fall. But transmission is generally constant, stable, and predictable. The disease does not overwhelm, nor does it disappear. Infections reach an equilibrium where the proportion of the population becoming susceptible is in balance with the likelihood of transmission. Vaccination can push that equilibrium point lower. It can. True vaccination can. Like if there are actual vaccines that prevent the people from getting the disease or spreading the disease, like if that can, if we actually get there, then that can absolutely drive the numbers down like smallpox, like malaria, uh, like cholera, right? Measles, mumps, rubella, all of that. Humans have done this with polio and the measles. These were devastating diseases which were endemic throughout the world in the 20th century, but which now have been eliminated from much of the planet. The overwhelming incentive for the uh, vaccination campaigns was that both viruses harmed and killed kids who were born with you know, naive immune systems. But COVID is unlikely to follow the same path, not only because it causes relatively little harm to the kids, but also because vaccinated people can still contract the disease and pass it on, although the cases are generally and usually milder. Right. But it's less of a it's less of a of a uh, a scare. Right. When when oh, my God, look at what's happening to these kids. They don't have an immune system to fight this, these diseases off. And they're they're suffering terribly. Like that's not present with covid. So we're going to have a different approach and it's it's going to look different than these past battles. And I think there are a lot of people that don't really understand that either. At this point, do uh, oh here's Dean. I always love hearing from Dean. Dean, Dean thinks that uh, he his sarcasm uh, 
I, I think is at a higher level than it actually is, that it masks his true intents. So, uh, for example, subject line, anti-vaxxer, which he spelled incorrectly. But um, so glad your station is taking an active approach on hygiene. What, I don't even know what that means. I wonder what is the most regifted gift, especially if you are endorsing it. Wouldn't that be the most useless gift ever, like a blender or something? Do you understand anything that he's saying there? Like, again, to him, I'm sure this means a lot of, like, really deep and cutting insight. I'm not clear on what any of this means. Taking an active approach on hygiene. What does that mean? My station is taking, what, what is the station doing for hygiene? Is the station doing something for hygiene? I wonder what is the most regifted gift, especially if you are endorsing it. Wouldn't that be the most useless gift ever? Is that because I'm endorsing something? It's the, what am I endorsing? I don't understand. Like I was asking people to give coats for people who need coat drives, uh, for, uh, the coat drive for people who need coats is that the deal like a a blender or something what are you regifting i regift all sorts of stuff no they're not useless it's not the most useless gift ever but unless it's coming from me that, uh, again i this is what i mean in dean's mind this is like oh my gosh this is such a great email <laughs> i don't understand what he's saying feel free to call dean it's the same number 704 570 1110 uh, or 1-800-WBT-1110. We'll uh, pick up the cost of that for you. So Trevor Bedford is a doctor. He's a virologist at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center in Seattle. And he believes that the burden of SARS-CoV-2 will uh, come to resemble that of influenza in the next few years. Individual infections will be no greater threat, but COVID's higher transmissibility will mean more cases and more deaths. America alone could, by his estimates, see 50 to 100,000 deaths a year from COVID. Flu kills between 12 and 52,000 people in America every year. That, according to the CDC. Oh, this is Dean. Did he call? Is this actually him? Mm-hmm. Did you did you screen this properly so we can confirm that he was, in fact, the one to write the email? Yes, this is that Dean. All right. Hello, Dean. Welcome. How are you? Pete, I'm going to explain how my incoherent email was actually all your fault. Okay. Okay? All right. Because last segment, you started out about anti-vaxxers, and then you went into some some descriptive. uh, There was some company got money to do a ridiculous survey, and they... uh, they found out that one in, one in eight people are going to not have somebody go to, you know, to do anything for the holidays. Yeah. Well, just before you got to that, you were, you were talking about what you did at the station, and hygiene is the biggest thing that's being done to reduce the anti-vax, you know, the, the uh, COVID. So uh, you seem to indicate that the station was taking an active role in keeping it a safe work environment. You know, because you had got your shot. So there was number one. All right. Okay? So I, no. All right. So hang on a second. First number thing, I, two, you, Dean. Hang on. Hang on. What? The first thing I need to do here 
is to pull your email out of the trash. Okay, so now I have seen, now I am seeing it. It says, so the subject line is anti-vaxxer. Hey, Pete, let me turn the radio up a little bit. What? No, don't turn the radio up. Do not turn the radio up, Dean. (laughs) Dean, do not turn the radio up. So, all right. No, no, no. I will just talk louder into your phone. No. So, <laughs> anti-vaxer. So you called this. The subject line was anti-vaxer. I don't know why you would. So, who's? What is that about? Who's anti-vaxer? What's that about? Well, I don't know. That was. See, that's part of the problem. That's why it's mostly your fault and not mine. Because you, I you, said you, stuff and you wrote stuff, and your stuff doesn't well, make you sense. Co- you cover a lot of topics, and that's I can't true. type real fast. And by the time I get typed. Half of it typed in, you're on to the next subject. That's, that is true. I, I do talk fast. Then you did the survey and you said, right. you know, and then you spotted the numbers about regifting. And then Okay. You, All right. So let's take the first sentence. You said, you, en- you said you so glad. Re-gifting. All right. So you said so glad your station is taking an active approach on hygiene. What is, hu- yes. what is the hygiene? Hey, it's the hand things, the. Everything that kills 99% of the bacteria, the, all the things that apparently your station's taking a proactive role in reducing COVID. Uh, you have some kind of vaccination policy? or Yeah, corporate put down a vaccination. That's not hygiene. Vaccination policy is not hygiene. Okay. All right, that's what threw me, well, because that's not the same thing at all, right? A vaccine no. is not hygiene. I know. Okay. I, uh, that's what I was I confused was, about. I thought I was like, uh, I thought you may be uh-huh. like trying to insinuate that I was like dirty or something. All right. So, no. okay. So the next one, I wonder what is the most regifted gift? So that was just a response to the survey. You're just wondering, you're just opining. It's just one of Dean's musings. Well, maybe in, in that instance, I am a little bit like, like the show because you would, You'd gone through this list of all these things that people did, and regifting was a big thing, eight out of, or some, four out of ten or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said, that which I endorse. And I'm a big fan of yours, so I Ah, said, Ah, I got you. So the endorse, I see. So the endorse, so I endorsed regifting, not the gift. I got you. Okay. No, and then I thought, what the real crux is, you know, what is creating the regifting problem? And the regifting problem are gifts that are useless gifts that people are always regifting. So I wanted to thinking, what can we do to avoid that? To avoid that. I'm sorry. So a blender yeah. or something. Gotcha. Because I was like, well, I don't endorse blender. That blenders. was an example. I understand now. So Dean, I think so, because you know me, I am all about solutions. I think the solution to this is from now on, you call. Okay, and. Yeah, and, I, and I'll try to be very much more focused and and you know not try to stay up with you. All right, I will do the same too. I will start. I will try to stay focused as well. Thank you. I want to apologize to everybody at the station and you and and all the listeners also. <laughs> all right. Well, that's okay, Dean. I would not. Uh, I would not cut you off my gift list uh, for the holidays. If I was gonna, if you were ever on the gift list, which you're not, but if you were, I would not cut you off it what re what regifted item are you going to send to dean how about a wine rack would you like a wine rack like a small one it holds like three bottles hey pete just so it passed through your hands i don't care what it oh is oh my okay? goodness all right <laughs> <laughs> thank you dean appreciate the call thank you for clearing that up i think we have another dean too we have a mark his name is mark garrison he's here in the wbt news center <laughs> 
How the World Learns to Live with COVID-19 is a piece of The Economist, economist.com. I've said this for several months now that uh, the COVID-19 virus, this is, it's moved, it has moved beyond pandemic. It is now endemic. It is in the uh, civilization, right? It's, and it's just going to spread, and it'll have seasonality. It'll mutate. Um, it will circulate at a steady rate. And um, infections may rise. They may fall, be a particularly bad year or, or a good year, whatever. And there could be, you know, some advancements made that will help uh, eradicate it to a large degree. You could, you know, get all the way like a smallpox kind of thing. But that's probably not the likely uh, uh, path. It's probably going to be more like other types of infectious diseases that still exist but are minimized uh, by uh, vaccinations to some degree, but also therapeutics. So in this piece, they say humans have done this with polio and the measles that were devastating. Uh, They were endemic. The overwhelming incentive, though, was to protect kids because their immune systems were uh, naive, as they're called, naive immune systems. But COVID doesn't really follow that path because it doesn't really harm young people and also because vaccinated people can still contract the disease and can still pass it on in the medium term. So long-term endemic, it's going to be seasonal, that sort of thing in the medium term. um, We're going to have even highly vaccinated places that'll see flare ups globally. These waves of infection will be dampened by the collective immunity that runs through and around the remaining pockets of those who are, uh, who have uh, naive immune systems, right? Over time, these spikes will become rarer and uh, the world's going to stumble towards endemicity. Okay. Now what that looks like and the speed with which countries get there, it's going to depend on three things. Number one, What proportion of a given population is immune to the virus? And that includes, that includes prior infection. All right. People who got it and survived as well as people who got immunized. Right. So what are the, uh, uh, what is the level of immunity and how durable is it? That's number one. Number two, how the disease is treated. And number three, how the virus evolves. Okay? Immunity is pretty hard to measure because the immune system is complex. It's poorly understood. And the, um, the antibodies that get produced varies uh, in the quantity and the quality. And so all of that stuff matters. All right? So that's, that's hard to measure. Even without a lot of great insight into people's individual or collective uh, immunological state, the broader picture is clear. As the virus spreads through populations, the immune systems of those who survive, they get trained. Okay? So now they're better able to fight off future infection. The protection that the vaccines afford against infection wanes, so it decreases. And the training that they give the immune system to prevent serious disease and death stays pretty strong. Okay? But vaccines have offered about a third of humanity a shortcut to the endemic state okay 
So that it, it has helped get people there by the training. Bypassing sections of that path would otherwise have been a lot deadlier. A lot more people would have died had their symptoms not been reduced with the vaccines. So uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 3.8 billion people have at least one of the shots, another 2.8 or uh, of that 3.8, 2.8 have one, at least one. Um, and, uh, two, two, oh, wait, oh, no, 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 whoa, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Read that backwards. 2.8 are fully vaccinated. 2.8 fully vaccinated. And then another 1 billion. They, I don't know why they wrote it like that. One have one shot. All right. Add them to those who already survived with COVID. Right. And it looks like we are well over half of the world population has some level of immunity. Don't know how good everybody's different. Right. But uh, more than half of the global population now has some form of it. Vaccines can reduce the risk of severe illness and death. They've saved hundreds of thousands of lives across the planet. Um, it's allowed a lot of healthcare systems to keep operating. Um, at present, the world's collective level of immunity to COVID is nowhere near that for other endemic respiratory diseases. And that's because all humans are exposed to older endemic diseases repeatedly throughout their lives, particularly as kids. Think about how many times you get the common cold, right? You are constantly exposed to those types of viruses. I think there's something like 200 variants of the common cold or something like that. It's circulating constantly, all right? So you're, you're always exposed. The, the, the viruses mutate and all that, and they can't keep up with the viruses that mutate as fast as the rhinovirus does. Every exposure offers a new chance to train your immune system. It takes decades for humanity to reach a comparable level of immunity to COVID. The coming years then are going to be characterized by a slow process of cyclical decline that runs in tandem with a broadening and deepening of immunity through infection. This is one of the things that a lot of people who are terrified of COVID um, that they, they don't understand. They see the Delta variant. They're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, it's, it's even worse. It's more, uh, it's more transmissible, but it's less lethal, right? Way more people got the Delta variant because it was way more transmissible, but a smaller percentage of them uh, died, okay? And Delta now has taken over. Delta is the dominant variant now. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. See this Reuters is reporting that China tested a nuclear-capable hypersonic missile in August, showing a capability that caught U.S. intelligence by surprise, which is actually the least surprising detail of this story. Uh, the Financial Times, with the original report uh, late on Saturday, saying that the Chinese military launched a rocket carrying a hypersonic glide vehicle that flew through low-orbit space circling the globe before cruising towards its target, which it missed by about 20 miles or so. The United States and Russia are also developing hypersonic missiles, and last month North Korea said it had test-fired a newly developed hypersonic missile. Just always remember that North Korea is the knife that China wields. Okay, ballistic missiles fly into outer space before returning on steep trajectories at higher speeds. Hypersonic weapons are difficult to defend against because they fly towards targets at lower altitudes. 
but they can achieve more than five times the speed of sound, or about 3,800 miles an hour, 6,200 kilometers per hour for those in Europe, which we really should get onto the metric system. Unless, of course, China's going to just blow us all up, then I guess then we don't have to worry about going to the metric system. But, hey, uh, just not for nothing, colleges, universities, military, maybe pay a little bit more attention to, like, this stuff than the... Uh, than the wokeism. I don't know, just uh, spitball in there. Okay, um, back to this economist piece, how the world learns to live with COVID-19. Because I think a lot of the people uh, who are really, really terrified of COVID, I think it's like people think that that we're going to cure this or something. And I don't think that's realistic. And I think the sooner people come to grips with the idea of COVID as an endemic disease like the flu, then I think we are able to be less insane uh, more quickly. I'm hoping. Uh, You know me, I'm an optimist. Okay, Uh, so the world's collective level of immunity to COVID is not what it is for other endemic respiratory diseases because people are exposed to those over the course of their lifetimes, over decades, multiple times and stuff. Um, But eventually, once immunity is widespread enough, cases of COVID will fall into a seasonal pattern similar to other endemic respiratory diseases that have been circulating for a lot longer. Rachel Baker, out of Princeton University, who studies how viruses respond to environmental conditions, uh, says that she expects within five or six years, the patterns of COVID infections will become seasonal, like those of other coronaviruses rather than being driven by uh, immunological naivete. The fact that COVID will also certainly become a disease that humanity can live with is thanks not only to vaccines, but also to the rapidly advancing treatments like antivirals, like remdesivir. Uh, AstraZeneca has an antibody drug, AZD7442. Um, All of these are good developments, therapeutics, treatments, all good stuff. Cheaper oral antiviral drugs, too, so like pills that you can take rather than having to go into a clinic to get shots. That's all going to be good. That'll reduce the burden that COVID places on humans uh, and the hospitals as well that treat them. Uh, All of that's on its way. Most promising is um, the, uh, what is this, Malnupiravir, Malnupiravir, whatever, uh, by Merck and Ridgeback. These are drug makers uh, taken within five days of symptoms onset it reduces the risk of hospitalization or death by about 50 percent in patients with mild or moderate covid now here this there's a concern there is a worry here that the virus will evolve to resist a single line of antiviral therapy peter horby a professor of emerging infectious diseases at oxford university warns of the need to consider using combinations of antivirals from the outset a cocktail if you will HIV antiviral drugs showed that resistance to single therapies arises quickly. So you want to have a cocktail going. So there's a bunch of different antivirals all working at the same time. Overall, this hangs the inevitability of the coronavirus's continued evolution and the question of its impact. Any new variant that emerges is overwhelmingly likely to do so based on Delta because Delta has basically displaced all of the other variants. 
if a new variant emerges that outcompetes Delta, it will eventually spread everywhere. The beta variant, which is now being driven towards extinction, was better at defeating immunity. So in other words, it was more lethal right, uh, than Delta, but less good at spreading. And so it receded. A new variant that combines their traits would be a disaster, but that's not where it has not happened. Okay, it has not happened. Also of note, finally here, uh, viruses compete with each other. A study carried out by the Public Health Health England study that they did on data gathered between January and April of 2020 found that people already infected with the flu were 58% less likely to test positive for COVID later probably because the two viruses were jockeying for dominance within the human body. That's so weird to me. For a few vulnerable people, though, it was possible to get infected with both at the same time, and for them, the risk of death was almost double that of being infected with just SARS-CoV-2. Uh, Robert, welcome to the show. Hello, Robert. How are you? Hey, Pete. I appreciate you uh, taking my phone call. Good sure, subject sure. at hand here. Uh, I called into Brett's uh, show last week, and I said, uh, if I was running this country, what I would do, which I'm not running this country, um, I would get a panel of doctors uh, you know, on TV and sit down and have this conversation that you're having um, you know, about all of these different therapeutics, uh, the vaccine, uh, the whole nine yards. Um, from what I know, I'm not a doctor, but we, we will not be able to vaccinate our way out of this situation. I think a combination of the vaccine, uh, and the therapeutics will get us to a, a comfort level in this country uh, where, you know, people uh, are, are comfortable with yeah. knowing that this is our new normal. Um, coronavirus has been around a long time. Coronavirus is not going anywhere either. And uh, I really appreciate you taking my yeah. phone call. Please. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Robert. I appreciate it. No, it's a good point. I don't know why we are not having as a nation, why it has not been like Trump should have done it. Biden should have done it. Governors should have done it hold like weekly or monthly roundtable discussions. Why is that not happening? Why are we not getting any of that? Right? How is that? How is like, like C-SPAN would carry it. God knows. Like they've got, they got like C-SPAN, the Ocho now. They have so many C-SPANs. All right. They have like three, but still it could just be a YouTube video. You're telling me that you can't bring together these panel discussions and, and have people, actually debate discuss test ideas um you know have 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 there be the the pushback and i think if if that setting existed that kind of model existed i think um i don't know i I may again maybe i'm an optimist on this i just i think that people would be in a better place our heads would be in a better place with this than we are right now what do i know just a radio guy i do know this though I do know this. Brett Winterbull's up next. Actually, I say that, I'm not sure. Is he here today? He Okay. Brett Winterbull's up next. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. A News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. I will see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.